It's one Masters 1000 tournament down and one to go on the U.S. hardcourt swing as the players jostle for position and bragging rights ahead of the final major of the year, the U.S. Open. In Montreal, it was a first-time Masters 1000 finalist Pablo Carreño Busta triumphant in the showpiece match against Paul Hubert Hurkacz. It's the biggest title of Pablo Carreño Busta's career. Carreño Busta's return troubles Hurkacz. And the Spaniard arrives at championship point. Pablo Carreño Busta busts through as conqueror of Montreal and can now lay claim to being a Masters 1000 champion. Viva España! Pablo, you had come here to Montreal saying this had been one of your worst seasons of your career. Now you're standing here celebrating your biggest title of your career. How? Well, I don't know exactly, but you know, it's an amazing feeling to, to be a Master 1000 winner. Uh, it's the, the best title of my career, for sure, and you know, uh, I don't know how I'm feeling in this moment. Uh, I know that uh, during all the week we work very, very hard, also the weeks before. Uh, it's very important to be very positive all the time. It's uh, not my best uh, season this year, but uh, I lost some matches that probably other seasons uh, I didn't lose. But, you know, I just try to be, to continue feel, uh, believing on my, on my team, on myself and on my game. You mentioned the belief that you had to have. This was mentally a really tough task today as well, being a set down and then trying to come back. Yeah, I lost the first set, uh, just uh, one break, but you know when you play against uh, uh, this kind of players uh, who, who has a really good surface, it's really tough no, to, to be there. But I just continue uh, believing because I know that uh, I was a player better and better. I, try to be aggressive with my serves and, well, uh, I could uh, make two breaks enough to, to be a winner. Congratulations once again to Spain's Pablo Carreño Busta and also to Hubert Hurkacz, who had a great tournament in the singles and in the doubles, where he fell at the semi-final stage to the duo of Daniel Evans and John Pierce. Talking of Evans, it's been another successful showing for the Brit, having also reached the semi-final stage in the singles. When he spoke to Jill Krabis, he said he feels more relaxed on court these days. Yeah, I've won some good matches. Uh, been having fun out on the court. It's um, it's always nice to compete in these uh, you know good tournaments. We get we're very lucky that we get to play in in such such good places, and um, yeah, it's been nice to just get out there, compete, and have a, have a lot of fun on the road. And you, I mean, not only success in singles, got your first ATP title, but you've played some doubles as well. Has that contributed, do you think, or carried over into your successful singles? I mean, playing playing a lot of tennis is always a good thing. It uh, can never be wrong. And it's, uh, you know, it was nice to play with Neil for um, for some tournaments. And we, we had a lot of a lot of good wins. and. Um, and then he found a partner and left me. No, <laughs> but no, it's, um, it's good, uh, and it's really nice to see him doing well now with uh, with Wes. And it's um, yeah, I enjoy playing doubles, and it's it, it does help. It does help helps your confidence, especially when um, you know you don't don't get to practice that week because you're playing a lot of doubles if you're out of the singles. So it's it's nice to to be able to still be competitive. And I was reading a couple articles about you, and, and one of the things that stood out to me that you mentioned is that, in particular, you feel like you're handling losses 
better. How, how do you feel like you've been able to do that? I mean, I learned pretty, pretty young that we're going we're gonna to lose most weeks. It's, uh, it's part of the game, I guess. It's, um, yeah, when I was younger, I used to you know, waste a few days after a loss. or yeah, It's part and parcel of the game. You look at the, the very, very good professionals out here. They're not, I'm sure it hurts, but they're back at work maybe the next day or the day after. And it's uh, you know, looking ahead. And the beauty of this sport is if you choose to play the next week, you've got another opportunity. So it's, uh, that's how I look at it. And it's, um, it doesn't make the losses any easier, but it, you know, it helps to, to try and get, give yourself the best possible chance the, the following week or, or tournament. Is there anything in particular that you feel like has allowed you to not make it last three days? Now you let it go a little bit more quickly? I was pretty lucky, obviously, you know, we had Paul Anacone at, um, at the LTA and he sort of, you know, spelled it out to me pretty simple that if you keep doing that, you're not going to get X, Y and Z. So it was, it was pretty easy, really. Uh, and then I worked on, you know, competing hard. But then if I lost, you know, shrug it off and, and get going again. And it's, uh, yeah, it's part and parcel. And, you know, I have good people around me now who, you know, there's no real stress if you lose. There's, as we know, there's way worse things happening at the minute, so it's no big issue. Yeah, yeah I, I wanted to talk about your team in particular. You've you've also mentioned how they're so nice and loose and relaxed. Is that the coaching style that you feel like works best for you, or what? Ha how have they impacted your tennis? It, it, no, I like on the court. I like to. I like them to. Yeah, I like my coach to be quite intense and and on me. But as soon as that's done. You know, I I, enjoy, I don't want them to have a boring life on the tour. I want us to have a lot of fun, them to enjoy themselves, and me to enjoy myself with with those guys. And you know, you're going to have enough bad days, so it's good to to have fun off the court and and enjoy it. You know, it's uh, as we all know, we're not going to be out here forever. So I think sometimes it's important to to look around, and it's it's a lot of fun being out on the tour and. Um, getting to compete and sometimes you do take it for granted and that's what I try not to do and have a lot of fun with with my team and and yeah it's uh it, it I'm enjoying it and and you know I'll keep doing it from one Brit to another, and while Dan Evans may be used to life at the top, the same certainly cannot be said for the surprise Montreal quarterfinalist Jack Draper. When he spoke to Urson Kaderis during a rain delay earlier in the week, he explained that with every tournament on tour, he's realizing what he needs to do to stay there. Yeah, that I need to be physically and mentally probably better. I think my tennis is in a good place, obviously, to just keep trying to stay aggressive, playing my game, but... I think when you get on tour, you realise the, the demand physically and mentally is a lot higher and you've got to be able to, to compete with that and cope, especially in the Grand Slams and uh, against the top, top players in the world. So these are all good experiences for me and I'm definitely taking everything in my stride. When you're saying you need to be better mentally, mm. you know, what's something that you need to work on, you need to get better? I think it's just exposure to this level, really, you know, um, playing the futures and the challenges. The, the actual tennis level is pretty good. But it's just they're not probably there every single point. Whereas at this level, you know, if you're not there every point, you lose. Um, so it's just been about trying to train the mind to be to be more on at every single point, and um, hopefully I'm getting there. It's been quite a year for you. You had your top 100 debut in June this year. Um, have you 
had time to reflect on it and, and look back at, at those months? Yeah, I think it's important to put things in perspective. You know, I've had a few bad days uh, on this trip already and I sort of said to my coach, you know, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit at the moment. And he goes, you know, you've got to have perspective, Jack. You look where you were at the start of the year. Mm. Um, look where you've been in previous years. You know, you're, you're playing great tennis and you're at these tournaments and you're in on your own merit and just, you know, enjoy the process. And so you can see that now. You feel like you've got a bit more perspective? Yeah, it's definitely hard to. You know, I'm still young and I think I'm very hungry to, to do really well. So if I have a, a few bad days or a bad week, you know, I want to try and correct it. Um, but like I said, you can't play amazing all the time. You know, you're going to be feeling rough. So um, it's just about, yeah, just trying to keep going the way I'm going. What are your ambitions on in this swing, in this North American hardcore swing? Just to gather all the experience I can, you know, I think also trying to trying to play as well as I can as well. Um, it's different experiences, like I said, with the, the heat sometimes, you know, it's not been that hot here in Montreal because of the rain. But um, yeah, I think all these all these things like the rain delay today, that's never happened to me. So I think all these things are, you know, taking in my stride and I can can really improve in all these areas. So the search for a male Canadian winner at the National Bank Open presented by Rogers continues. Not since 1958 has a home player lifted the coveted trophy, but according to Montreal native Felix Auger-Aliassime, it's certainly not for a lack of trying, and it's definitely not down to the pressure that's put on his young head. That's kind of the part of the process, you know, being a young player and knowing how to deal with expectations and uh, knowing how to deal with the stress and pressure that can come with it. Um, but I felt like overall I, uh, I have no regrets, let's say. You know, I've, there's been times where it was tougher, where I've had bad matches in certain tournaments, not especially here, but in, in, yeah, in different tournaments. And I feel like I've learned a lot from those, um, from those failures. And uh, today I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm more and more calm and more uh, uh, established as a player, of course, but um, I feel more um, composed. You know, when I come to tournaments, I feel relaxed, you know, and that's always important. Yeah. Is it almost easier to play a, ho a tournament far away from home than playing a tournament at home? Oh, let's see. I mean, it's, yeah, it's different. Uh, sometimes it's, um, it's a bit more peaceful, let's say. Uh, you know, you kind of just go about your things and there's less distractions, less things to do. Um, but at the same time, you know, once I step on the court uh, to have that kind of support, uh, I mean, I would love to have that every time, you know, uh, the, the, the packed stadium, you know, supporting me after each point whether I'm up or down in the, in the score, um, to have that kind of support is, uh, is everything. So uh, it can really you know, always help. Uh, it can put pressure on the opponent as well. There's a lot of kids here that look up to, and, and you went back to your dad's academy mm -hmm, um, correct, yeah. a few days ago. How, how was that, and, and how important is it for you to give back and, and spend time with those kids? It was great to go back. Uh, unfortunately, I don't get the chance you know, with, uh, with all the traveling and all the tournaments to go back, because. As much as I wish I could, um, back to my dad's academy in Quebec City, and uh, to see the kids again, to see the evolution of the academy, it's fantastic. We've been trying to build something great there uh, as a family, and my dad has done an amazing job. And um, you know, to see the young kids playing some some good tennis, having a smile on their face, being happy to be there, uh, so it really makes me happy um, uh, more and more than sometimes winning matches because uh, I feel like. You know, it's not only for myself, but making a difference for others and for these young kids, inspiring them. Um, yeah, it's, it's really the best thing. I could talk about it all day. So, uh, uh, yeah, I was really happy to make the trip. Yeah. 
And, and do you think, could you see yourself getting more involved, you know, once your career is done and, and get involved in the academy with your dad? For sure, for sure. I've talked about it many times. I remember growing up, I, you know, my goal was to be a tennis player, but then I knew that, you know, one day uh, I would have to stop playing competitively. And then um, after uh, I have this desire of giving back uh, somehow to the sport, to to younger generation of, of, of tennis and of tennis players. and. Um, and tennis is my passion, after all. You know, it's the thing that I love to do the most, and uh, so I would love to to give back somehow and be involved in in the academy, for example. What has your dad meant to your career, and and you know shaped you as a person as well? Yeah, he's he's meant a lot. I mean, he 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 he's, it's everything, you know, because uh, um, a bit like you said, my dad um, not only as a tennis player but as a person. You know, your your parents really shape you into. The person that you are, at least when you're when you're young, and then then you discover the world. But um, my dad, I think, really gave me some good uh, uh, good foundation and you know some good principles and good values to to attack my professional career as a tennis player. And uh, there's still many lessons um, that still serve me today, and I still you know value a lot of his opinion on uh, myself and my career. There was a great moment I remember when you won your first title in Rotterdam yes, yeah. earlier, and you called him. Yeah. I think he was the first person. Well, actually, it was, uh, well, I think my Fred or my mom called him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that brought, like, you know, good emotions out of me, a bit of tears, because it was just a very special moment to have uh, my dad on the call. Uh, he just looked really, really happy uh, for me, and uh, it was it was a great moment we shared as, as a family, and I wish I could have had him, have him there in person, but it was it was nice to have him over the phone. And, and what has that... Um title in Rotterdam done to you know you your your belief well first it was a big relief at the moment um, because I felt to 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 win uh, my first final uh, for, for ma at many occasions so to finally get that and get that first title it was a it was a big relief it brought me a lot of confidence for sure uh, after uh, even though you know a season comes with ups and downs um, having that title in the pocket this year I feel like I can play more freely I don't have to think about that and I think when matches, you know, when tight matches come, or when I go deeper into tournaments, semifinals and finals, uh, I have the confidence that you know I've done this before. I can beat, you know, the players that I have to beat um, in those uh, in those matches in those situations. Uh, so yeah, hopefully I can use some of that belief and confidence. Felix Oje Aliassime speaking to Ursin Kadera. So despite the disappointment of losing at the quarterfinal stage to Casper Ruud, the Canadian was still happy to be at home this week, but it's back out on the road to Cincinnati, and that means getting all of his must-haves packed and ready. Hey guys, Felix Oje Aliassime here. Come in and check out how I travel. This is my uh, traveling backpack. This is usually the, the bag I travel with. I have other ones, but this is the one I have with me this week. Uh, the first item I would put out, which is really an essential for me, are my uh, AirPods Max. I actually bought them recently. Uh, I'm always listening to music or watching movies, so I really, really need those uh, in, my, in my bag at all times. When I'm traveling, sometimes you just want to relax and kind of fall asleep. So, uh, uh, relaxing music, I like to listen to like chill piano. The piano is at my parents' house in Montreal, so not as much, but uh, you know, maybe I can now put one in my place and, uh, and, and play some more. 
iPad. To watch movies, TV shows, documentaries. Uh, I usually download them before I travel because sometimes on some flights there's no TV so you don't know if you're actually gonna have something to watch. Very essential. Oh, this is good. Uh, my speaker. So I don't use it when I'm traveling, but I use it in my hotel room or uh, let's say we rent a house and I wanna put you know, some music. I always travel with a speaker. Uh, as you probably guessed, yeah, music is like an important part of my life. Uh, I think every day I listen to some, to some music either to pump me up before a match or to, to relax and chill down. So I have all the items needed um, for that. I have uh, sunglasses. You know, we travel to a lot of uh, sunny destinations, so they're always uh, very needed. I've got my uh, regular glasses. I actually wear contacts right now, so... When would you switch between your contacts and your glasses? Actually, when I'm traveling. So let's say, uh, because it's not good that I keep my contacts on for too long, so if I'm traveling, you know, overseas on a long flight, uh, I'll take my contacts off and travel with my glasses and then, you know, take them off on asleep. But uh, usually I travel with those to kind of uh, relax my eyes also. It's not good that I have my, my contacts on for too long. It's actually a folder. It's actually from my dad's academy. He has like a bunch of those, so he, he gives me all these folders. And now with, with the COVID, you know, you need like the test, you need the vaccine. So I have all my, my travel documents uh, in here. So uh, very useful, especially these days. I think two years ago, you would never see that in my bag, but, but now there's so many documents needed to, to go anywhere. So uh, I actually do have that all the time with me. Um, so this is actually a case for uh, my uh, watch. Uh, so I have one on right now um, that is more for the day and I have this uh, classy watch that's you know for evenings and stuff so I like to keep it in the case. Right now I have another one. Yeah, so I have this one that's actually really special to me because it was uh, Montreal Grand Prix special edition and uh, when they came out with it I really wanted I really wanted one because you know it's from my from my home city. Uh, they did a special, so this one is, is quite special as well. Do you enjoy travel? Where's the favorite place that you've been on tour? I do enjoy traveling a lot. I would say um, I feel very lucky uh, as a as a person to be able to you know to travel for, for what is my, my job and and I love my job as well. So it's uh, it's, it's beautiful to have you know the, this life where I can you know travel and, and meet different people, experience different cultures. Um, I've been to you know, many beautiful places. I love going to Australia every year, for example. I think it's a great country. People are always uh, very welcoming. Um, and just anywhere, you know, when you go to big cities in Europe like uh, Rome or Paris uh, that have so much history and you can, every year I enjoy going around and, and seeing you know, the, the, the main attractions of, of, of cities and, and maybe learning more, discovering more, uh, uh, trying out restaurants. Uh, I mean, there's, there's so much to do really when you travel. Um, so, and I think after my career, I would enjoy, you know, traveling to either the same place that I've been to and, and more as a tourist or, or go to different places where they don't have tennis and just uh, experience different things. So those are my travel essentials. Australia's Nick Kyrgios is putting together an exceptional six months. A quarterfinal at Indian Wells was followed by semifinals in Houston, Stuttgart and Halle. 
Then there was the greatest feat of them all, reaching the final of Wimbledon against Novak Djokovic. Now on the U.S. hard courts, the winning feeling doesn't look like it's going to abate anytime soon. He lifted the trophy in Washington, getting to the quarterfinal stage in Montreal. So when Ersan Kaderis caught up with the player who's well known for his ups and downs, the question was simple. Where's the consistency come from? You know, where you are now kind of reflects of the last six months and last almost almost last year of how you've been working and, and what sacrifices you've made and, and, you know, how much work's been done behind the scenes. And I think it's just showing now with my results. So I've, I've really been driving the bus with my training and, and how much I've been working back home. And it's it's showing on the court and I'm really enjoying it. It's a, it's a roller coaster every time I'm out there because I'm, I'm giving my best effort. So, you know, I'm getting to that vulnerable place of, you know, really wanting to win and you know I think the last couple of years of my career I struggled to get to that place but now I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Who's helped you get back to that place? Um, my whole team you know my physio is traveling with me full-time now um, and you know that wasn't able to happen last year obviously because of COVID. Um, my manager's with me full-time my girlfriend's traveling with me all the time so I think I just I have that support team around me and it's that, that understands where my head's at you know they, they, they understand that I want to win a lot this year and, and, and want to work hard and I think they, they love that. They love the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm finding that motivation. Physically, would you say you're in the best shape you've ever been? Up there. I definitely feel like long jet, like I feel like playing back-to-back -back weeks and for making the final of Wimbledon, it's really helped me. Um, yeah, definitely being in, in this shape has helped me, you know, play that tennis over that long period of time. But mentally, I'm, I'm you know, definitely I feel like if I I remember when I won the Washington title, I came to Montreal and I lost first round that one time. But this time around, you know, I won Washington come here and I put a pretty good performance in here. So I, mentally, I've matured a little bit. I think I've, I was able to put that Washington title behind, behind me and just focus on what was in front of me and, and I got the job done. So, you know, that shows a bit of mental maturity as well. How much do you want to follow up on that Wimbledon success? You can kind of almost prove that you're not a one slam final wonder. Um, yeah, exactly. I think, I think Wimbledon was a big confidence boost for me. I think physically and mentally to be able to put two weeks together like that is not easy. But also, yeah, just I think after you make a slam final or win a slam or even a quarter final or a grand slam, you have a small window after, you know, the grand slam to really capitalize on your form. And, you know, people kind of fear you before they, they, they take the court. So I want to use that. And you see yourself in the mix for the US Open for the title? I feel confident, um, you know, with the way I'm playing, but you know, there's so much between now and then that I want to, you know, continue to build on. You know, there's so many matches to be played before then. But yeah, I mean, look, I see myself as a threat. I think, you know, everyone, you know, everyone in the top 20 or top 30 sees themselves, if they're feeling well physically and mentally, they see themselves as a good shot to go far. You know, I know there's plenty of players there that are confident, but the way I'm playing, I, I feel like I'm a threat. Another player well known for his passion on court is Italy's Fabio Fanini, who recently reached the milestone of 400 career wins. Fanini, who regularly does double duty these days, will actually face Nick Kyrgios on the doubles court this week alongside his friend and regular partner for the year, Simone Bolelli. And as he told Seb Lozier, his time on the doubles court helps keep the spirits up after a recent loss of form on the singles court. Well, if I look... Uh... On my back, I say, wow, was a good milestone and happy to achieve that for sure. Uh, at the moment, what I have to say, it's not a, the happiest moment of my career for sure because I'm not winning a lot of matches and it's, it's really tough, especially when, when you have injury 
and you try to push yourself to find the land in the Do you remember your first win? It was 16 years ago, Juan Pablo Guzman. Do you remember? Yeah. Of course I remember. Was, I think I, I, um, I passed the quali and uh, was in Amersfoort. I remember the tournament in Holland. I won, uh, I think, uh, I don't know, it's, it's three sets, but I remember something about 6-4 or something like tight because, but yes, I remember, I remember very well. You're the, you're the first Italian in the Open era to reach 400 wins. Um, I mean, how proud are you of what has happened to Italian tennis also during that time? Because from when you came on the scene to now, Italian tennis has taken off yeah. and, and you've played a big part in that. Well, I don't know. That's, uh, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm not if I have to say that, but probably the press have the have the big power to say if I was or not. It's uh, it's not my goal, but I think I have a small part of the cake about this project for sure. Um, I go for the 36 next year. As I say, I'm a bit, uh, I mean, sad if we can say, or unhappy about my result and this moment of my career. So. Nothing. I try to, uh, as I say, look my back and I say, "Whoa, I'm winning for under match at the moment." But as always saying, there are always statistics. So hopefully that this young player that is a new generation coming now, like Matteo, Yannick, Lorenzo, uh, they have the possibility to to get more matches winning than me, and hopefully that this one is gonna happen. Just finally, Fabio, talk to me about. I don't know whether you're planning and what kind of targets you're setting, but the new normal for you now at the moment is to play singles and then doubles playing both together. Are we going to see much more of you on the doubles court? What, what, what are you thinking for the next couple of years? Well, no, I just try to be focused uh, right now on my game, on my singles and of course my doubles. Everything was born again in Australia this year that Simone had a partner that uh, he was not sure to go in there. So he asked me to play in Sydney and I say yes, I, if you ask me for sure, because he's like my brother, so I say okay. Uh, and then we play final, we play quarter final again in a Grand Slam and we win in Rio. And after Rio I told him, if you ask me, I'm ready to play all year full time. And uh, yeah, of course, if I have to be honest, our goal is still, is still touring, it's going to be a... for sure a great uh, achievement for us because I, we are in the old generation I'm looking I'm going for the 36 and he's going for the 38 and we are really good friends so one of my best goals this year for sure is try to help him and to go to the to the ATP Tour final in Turin because of course second is because we are in Italy we are Italian so I think it's going to be a really good achievement for most of the end of our career so Yes, I mean, uh, uh, doubles helped me to, to get on fire on singles too, so let's see. Singles, doubles, we're just happy to watch you, so keep doing what <laughs> you're doing. Yeah, I'm trying, guys. I know that it's quite difficult, but I'm going to try until then. Good luck to Fabio Fanini and Simone Bellelli in what's another stacked doubles field at the Western and Southern Open this week. Like Fanini, former Cincinnati finalist David Goffin was also involved in qualifying this week. The reason Goffin was in qualifying in the first place points to a period of time he missed because of injury. But fighting fit and with a tournament victory in Marrakesh earlier in the year, Goffin told Jill Krabis he's now feeling much more confident about his future. Yeah, it was not easy at the end. Uh, I mean, the same period last year, uh, I 
I was feeling my knee and it was not easy. I was like, should I stop for a moment or should I continue to uh, like that with the pain in my knee? But and, you know, I decided to stop uh, after the US Open for four months and then you know how it is. It's never easy to uh, to play well. The first tournament, you need confidence. You uh, you have doubts when you come back from injury. And then after a few good wins, and especially also when the clay came, it's always a surface that I like and I'm really confident on it. So uh, when I started to have some wins in Marrakech and then the title gave me some confidence to uh, to have some good wins on clay and then same on uh, on grass with a, a good tournament in Wimbledon. So yeah, I'm feeling much better than last year, yes, of course. So you, you mentioned um, having a few of those doubts. Obviously, there's so many ups and downs all the time throughout your career. You've had a very long career, and it's continuing. Yes. How have you been able to deal with those ups and downs? And did that help you, I think, getting through this period as well? Yeah, you just have to stay calm. To uh, You have to also to, to, to tell your team how you feel. It's really important and not because you, if you feel great with your team and you don't lie, like uh, for example, you, you don't feel great, you don't feel confident and you're scared, you have to tell your team and you have to work on it. And, uh, and uh, that, that helps you in a tough moment when you are in a down moment and you want to just come back. Uh, and that, that's why I'm still there. Sometimes, uh, like you said, you have a lot of ups and downs, but you have to fight with yourself when you're, you're not feeling great, when you're not uh, confident on the court, or it's uh, when it's a tough period, it could be on the court, off court, uh, it's life. This is life and you have to fight with, uh, with, your, with your feelings and, uh, and try to stay there and, and come back as high in the ranking as you can. And I know you're, you're one of the hardest workers, so for me what I think of is how difficult that would be not being able to be on the court in those moments was that challenging for you or yes of course it was uh, it was not easy but i love to be in the gym so for me it was not the, t- the tough part of the of the job to come back from injury so i like to the um, recovery session with physios and then and then fitness session with my f- fitness coach so i like those moments i like to spend time in the gym so it's okay it's just when when the tennis comes and you you want to you just want to play well directly and uh, and it's it's not easy so you have to it takes time you feel better on the court so you have to be patient and that's for me the most difficult part of the of the comeback it's to be patient and to trust the the process and then and when you have cuz it's very rare that a tennis player has time away um, were you able to do any any other things, any other interests that you had that you were able to do that you don't necessarily get the opportunity to do when you're traveling so much? Yeah, yeah, you have time to spend. You spend time at home with your family. I had time to uh, to get married last year. Uh, so Congratulations! That's Thank what I was you. waiting for. <laughs> Thank you. I had time for a long honeymoon. Oh, where'd you go? Uh, uh, in uh, in Italy, nice. September last year, so it was great to have time to do that for once, and it was important for me, for my wife too. So it was great, great. So uh, it was the the highlights of my uh, 
recovery period. Yeah, I yeah, I can see the joy on your yes. face. You're just beaming. Yeah, congratulations. It was a Thank beautiful you. picture. Thank you. I saw I saw it online. Beautiful picture. So congratulations. Um, I just want to go back to when you were talking about your team. Obviously, your wife, part of your team and support group as well. What What's the biggest impact that I, I'm not going to say your coach's name because you say it perfectly and I don't want to butcher it. Tell mm -hmm. me your coach's name again. You say it. Jama. Yeah. It, no, but the last name as well. Shiguno. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't pronounce that. But um, just, the, I guess, the biggest impact that he's had uh, for you the last couple years. I think it's uh, mentally because when I was injured, I was 30, 30 31. And I achieved some uh, good things, some good tournament. I was seven in the world, so the most important part was to find a new goal. When you enjoy, I was back in the in the ranking. Well, I was like 50, 75 in the world, so you have to find uh, different goals to uh, to come back, uh, just to to have the fire inside to to fight to come back. To know what you do and and he gave me that he gave me that he's he knows me perfectly because i he's, he's same time my coach but he's my friend at the same time so he knows me exactly um, he knows me how i feel how i have to play how i have to fight how i have to to uh, to behave on the court so he knows exactly uh, everything on um, about me so it's easy it's easy for me to, to feel uh, the matches to feel the practice how I feel so uh, I think he gave me the the how, how to say he gave me the, the the fire to continue to fight to come back to my best ranking and uh, and now I'm playing some good tennis uh, I want to come back where I was let's try to uh, to be the top 10 again that would be fantastic I think the last few months I proved that I I have the level to uh, to come back really close to the top 20 and why not top 10 so he gave me the hope and the and the fire to to continue to fight to come back are there are there I might get a little bit specific are there specific things that encourage that fire inside for you that he said or that he did first on the court he was uh, super positive and super um, uh, he believed in me and uh, when I felt that that okay I can do it again even if I'm 31 I'm back from injuries I can do it I can play some good tennis so he believed in me so we worked with a mental coach so he came with a mental coach uh, he proposed me to, to work with him and it was great so I needed to, to find something to uh... was that the first time you've worked with a mental coach no, I worked with another one with uh, when I was younger, but it, now I needed to to have somebody else just to. Uh, but because when you're 31, you don't know if okay, should, should I continue to play or not, or am I mo still motivated to come back and to do my best, or I just continue to travel and just play like this and let's see uh, if if I uh, if I continue or not, but. With my mental coach and with my coach, they gave me the the power to uh, go back to work, and uh, and it works. Finally, it works, and it pays off uh, for the last few weeks and months. So, let's continue, and we will see where I can go. 
Well, see, I'm looking, you said you're 31. I'm looking, I'm thinking you're only 31. I mean, I know you've had a very long successful career already, but at this stage of tennis, a lot of players are playing much longer than they did 10 years ago. Does that give you motivation too, knowing that you can sustain that level for so long? Of course. No, I'm super motivated. I would love to play uh, five or six more years. That would be fantastic at 35, 36. We, We see and then after 40. that, yeah, 40, why not, but <laughs> I cannot guarantee uh, the body has to follow, but why not, why not, after 35, I think every year is a bonus, so if I still have the level and I still love what I'm doing, I continue, but there is no reason why I wouldn't be there in five, six years. And then just talking about as, as far as um, your longevity in particular, I know you've had a couple injuries that we've talked about, but really you've been able to sustain such a high level for so long. And we've talked about a few things, but if you can pinpoint like two or three big things that you feel like for you to stay in such a mental great space for so long is, is impressive. Yes, I think to stay for uh, many years on tour at high level, you have to continue to improve that continue to work and improve because if you sometimes just to stay at level you are or at the same ranking you have to improve because the other players are improving so much and the level now is so high um, you have to stay calm because one week you can lose first round and then the, the week after you can have a tough first round and at the end you win the tournament you never know because if you have the level, you, every week you can you can do something great. So I think you have to be patient and continue to work and improve. Well, it, you're a joy to watch. I love watching you play. Thank you. Just such a good fighter. And um, we really do hope that you're around for a lot longer. But it's great to see you healthy and back again. So thank you very best much. of luck. Thank you. Thank you. There are some stellar first round encounters at the Western and Southern Open this week. In the women's draw, look no further than the intriguing matchup between 23-time major champion Serena Williams and the current U.S. Open champion Emma Raducanu. The men's field is also stacked. Alongside the return of Rafael Nadal, there are some fascinating first-round matches. Home fans will be interested to watch Americans Tommy Paul and Jensen Brooksby. Denis Shapovalov takes on former Cincinnati champion Grigor Dimitrov. Nick Kyrgios goes up against Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. The young Dane, Holger Runa, plays Cameron Nori. And Matteo Berrettini faces another home favorite in Francis Tiafo. But perhaps one match that's caught the attention more than most is between Andy Murray and Stan Wawrinka. Coach Danny Valverdu was once upon a time in the Murray camp, but these days can be found helping Stan the man as he tries to recover his form after an extended period away from the court due to injury. As we all know, he's a very likable guy. Like you said, uh, it's very difficult not to appreciate what he's done throughout his career. I think uh, most fans, they uh, they like to get behind an overachiever, which I think uh, everybody agrees that he's, uh, he's done incredible things that uh, maybe even himself, he he never believed that, that he could do, so uh, he's had an incredible career, and now he's getting to the point where after a few years of, uh, of dealing with some injuries, he, he wants to end his career uh, kind of on his own terms. Uh, so it's uh, it's been an uphill battle the last couple of years with the pandemic and the foot surgeries last year, but the last few months have been extremely encouraging. Uh, at the end of last year, we were still having question marks on, on what was going to happen in 2022, but after uh, uh, some encouraging signs at the beginning of the year, uh, we've, we've been able to train uh, 
kind of back to back to 100% in the last few months. Uh, so he's uh, he's in an upward trajectory now. It's definitely encouraging that he's still able to win matches at this level. And uh, I can see that each week he's getting better and better. But obviously, the number one uh, priority at the moment is to get the body right. And, and, and I think that's been working out quite well. He's, uh, he's fit, he's healthy, we're able to play every day. But obviously, that's still our number one priority, that, uh, that the body's in the right place so he can practice. And then that'll help him progress uh, with his tennis and with his fitness. But uh, like I said, I think... Uh, it's been already two or three months where we're able to get positives out of every day, uh, not really worrying about the about the injuries anymore. Uh, so I think at the moment things are looking good and uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, have a good push at the end of the year and be ready for 2023. They're looking good now. There must have been some moments where you and he had very difficult conversations, maybe after a setback, maybe after insufficient progress. How difficult were the bad times? Uh, the bad times were not easy. Obviously, a uh, hundred times more difficult for him than than for me. He was the one having to go through it. Uh, it was more the there was not that many setbacks. It was more uh, not knowing when he was going to get better. Uh, just waiting and waiting and trusting uh, the medical team, telling him that it was going to take a bit of time, but without uh, having a real uh, date on when that was going to be. Whether it was going to be two, three, four, five months. So that was a that was a challenge. Uh, for him going through the rehab process without having clarity on uh, on what the timeline was going to look like because uh, they gave him a pretty broad um, timeline. It wasn't very specific. Uh, so that was the biggest question mark for him, uh, doing all the work every day but without really knowing uh, how, how much time it was going to take to get better. Uh, once he started getting better, there was no real real setbacks after that. that like I told you, since he started practicing uh, at full pace uh, early January, uh, no, late January, early February, we haven't really had any any setbacks, I knock on wood. Uh, so it's been a, a pretty positive trajectory since uh, since February, February, to be honest. What's the difference for you as a coach in trying to get a player back up to a level they once were compared with trying to get them there for the first time to improve a game that you're never quite sure will be good enough for? Uh, I think the goal now, I mean, there's a lot of clarity uh, within our team and, and also there's a lot of honesty between him and, and myself that uh, the goal here is not to get back to playing how he used to play. Uh, the goal is here to to try and maximise the potential that he has right now and, and to be competitive on tour. Uh, whatever that might be, we'll, we'll see what, what the what the limits are and, and how good he can be physically and, and, and how good his tennis can be on the court as well. Uh, so we're not looking at it... Uh, comparing too much to what was possible in the past. We're more looking at it objectively of what we can get out of him right now. Uh, so it's definitely, a ch- for me, it's something new. I've always worked with players more towards the beginning of their career. Um, so it's something new, but uh, very exciting because I'm, I, I really enjoy working with him and, and, and he's a very objective and honest guy. Uh, so so that, that that's a way to, to, to have more consistent pro- pro- progress every day when when you're honest about where you are and, and how to get better um, so I think at the moment uh, we're just focusing on first of all being able to uh, get on the practice court uh, whenever we want which at the moment uh, we're able to do that and it's only a matter of time before we're able to find out what uh, what his maximum level will be you can hear the extended edit of Chris Bauer's conversation with Danny Valverdu on the podcast channel this coming Wednesday my thanks to all of our guests and contributors this week I'm Brian Clark. I'll be back with you next week to round up the events from Cincinnati and look ahead to the U.S. Open. In the meantime, enjoy the tennis.